Good morning, everyone. In the scriptures, uh, when we hear about the times of Jesus, uh, often um, Jesus has to do crowd control. One, because the apostles don't seem to be able to handle it. Uh, there was a time when uh, Jesus is walking and uh, he's surrounded and a woman with a hemorrhage comes up and touches him. And then Jesus asks, who, who touched me? And the apostles like, I don't know. <laughs> All these people, I don't know, Lord. And so uh, today is one of those occasions again um, when it uh, uh, looks like the crowd is getting out of hand and uh, they're riled up, as we would say. They're in a fever pitch. And uh, the crowd is loud. Their energy is getting high. Um, and it's possible, the scriptures don't say it, but it's possible because Jesus has done a miracle for them, um, it's likely that they're probably once again trying to make him a king. Now remember, a king meaning a king with a horse and an army. Uh, and uh, Jesus doesn't want this. That's not the type of king that uh, he is going to be. Um, it's possible that the apostles are getting a little bit caught up in everything too, and maybe this is the reason why Jesus and the gospel made them. The word made is he told them, commanded them, get in the boat and go and uh, to the other side. And then he alone is able to calm the crowd. Um, we're told that he dismisses them. And uh, a bit later, Jesus is going to have to calm down something different. This time it's the a storm that's coming upon the lake and uh, that threatens to overpower the boat that they're in. Um, and my friends, I look at the calming of the crowds that Jesus has to do, the calming of the storm. Um, and here, uh, what we see is um, uh, Jesus enters into all of the life events that we have, and he responds to it appropriately. And each time, he, he does something a little bit different, which is just appropriate to the event that's happening. And uh, on our part, uh, we are uh, to have a response also, but ours is to have confidence and trust in the Lord. I suspect one of the lessons we learn from Peter and the apostles' lack of confidence and trust in this scene um, is to have trust. Now, Marins, uh, remember the the apostles are fishermen, so they're quite familiar with boats. They're familiar with water, lakes. Apparently, they must be, even though the scriptures don't say, they must be in a pretty small boat. Um, and the waves must be pretty big. The boat must be taking on water because they're panicking. Uh, this would not be typical of fishermen. And we're told they are terrified. And yet, uh, earlier... Uh, my friends, Jesus, they witnessed Jesus do something incredible. He fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. Adding the women and children, we're probably looking at 10, 15,000 people. And remember how he did it? A couple loaves of bread and a couple fish. No, I joke, having been in the restaurant business, oh, that's a caterer's dream. <laughs> Feeding all those people with just one dish. <laughs> so my friends... The apostles have witnessed this along with the 10,000 people. If he could feed that many people with just two loaves of bread and a couple of fish, why should the apostles doubt that he could make waves calm for his friends? These are his friends. 
and even if it's a relatively small boat. And when I think about it and we look, uh, we, it's called the Sea of Galilee, but it's really a lake. We see uh, Jesus is walking, and uh, uh, he begins to calm things, but Peter wavers. Lord, if it is you, if it is you, <laughs> command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, come on. But after a moment, Peter begins to sink. He notices the storm rather than Christ. He takes his eyes off of Jesus. He cries out, Lord, save me. Noted in the gospel account is that Jesus responds immediately to him. He reaches out his hand and grasps Peter. And our Lord does not react perhaps as we, I might do, or maybe you, when someone is distrusting. Oh, Father, I listen to you, but I don't trust you. I'm going to be insulted by that. <clears throat> and I might say, well, then, learn your lesson on your own. <laughs> in the event that you're in the water, let's let you float for a little bit. But that's not what Jesus does. He immediately reaches out and takes hold of him. And in uh, living it a little bit, courage, take courage, child. Do not be afraid. Trust me. It is I. I am here. And the Lord seems to be putting forth that I am present in your life all the time, in the storms as well as in the calm. We just have to put our trust in the Lord, even when we do not understand. My friends, I've come to learn that even when I fail at things, and I do, God is present. And this, in the end, is what will save us. Not what so much that I'm failing at or what it is I'm doing, but that God is present, and he's made promises. Perhaps the storms, and here is presented as something in nature, my friends, sometimes of late, I think the storm for many people are not things like that. The storm is that many people have simply separated themselves from Christ now. They don't pray. They don't go to church. They stay away from other Christians. And they decide, I'm going to handle the matter in my own way. They focus on the storm and the size of the waves, but not on Jesus. And what he has to say about such things, his teachings. Perhaps we only look to ourselves, not to the Lord, and we sink. But the Lord is there. Friends, I took a look at the reading. This is the case in the first reading. We have the prophet Elijah, the great prophet. He is sent with a message, and uh, he delivers the message. However, at some point, he begins to adopt things differently. He begins to get uh, very militant. Um, he even has a mentality of viciousness towards um, the idolaters of his time. The meanness that he acts with causes a response from the king and queen, particularly from the queen, Queen Jay, Jezebel. She is out to murder him now. She's going to kill him. So he runs away. He runs uh, and takes refuge in a cave. 
And it is there in the silence of that cave that he encounters God. Taken away from all the activities of the world that he's in, all the chaos, everything that's going on, he's hiding, it's silent. And an angel tells him, prepare, prepare yourself, he is coming. And there in that silence, God teaches him, my ways are not yours. Listen to me, do what I tell you, say what I tell you to say. And to prove his point, God appears in a gentle breeze to him. The example then of the prophet Elijah and the apostle Peter represents, I think, the typical modern disciple today, caught between faith and doubt. And the rebuke from our Lord is, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And I looked up uh, the translation of doubt, and um, the word that's used is very close to the one we're using in English, but it has another meaning to it. Doubt, uh, as I looked it up, the explanation is of two minds, meaning of two minds. We're talking about divisions. So Jesus is saying, why are you divided within yourself about me and about what I do and what I can do, what I have done? Does that sound like disciples today? Well, I don't know. He did it a long time ago. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He doesn't, I don't know. He, he doesn't seem to be helping me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Sound like a moron. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So my friends, that is us. We start off courageously. And that's wonderful. And we walk in faith mostly. And that's wonderful. But then when the time gets tough and we're faced with challenges, that's when the doubt comes, the division. Before Jesus walked on the water, uh, after he sent the, his apostles to one side and he sent the people the other way, um, he went and prayed. He went to the mountain and prayed. And so um, here is the example. We need to pray. Now Jesus went to a mountain. So where should you go? Well, you certainly can go to Mount Rainier if you want. The mountain belongs to God, <laughs> and you will find him there because he is everywhere. But I'm going to suggest to you that you stay with the church. It is built by him not only for the joyous times and the calm, but also for the storms. Not only for running creeks that run pretty, but also for deep oceans that can seem very scary to us. And it's not just for a few people. The church is for the whole human race. Anyone who will open their heart to him and come. The church is a sturdy boat that has lasted thousands of years, and this is a fact. The church has helped billions of people since Christ created it. Just as in stormy waters one clings to a boat even more tightly, we should do the same, clinging to the church even when the storm is around the church, as it happens. The readings teach us that there are two places where the Lord is part of our life, in the silence of our life and in the chaos of it. Two places where every single person can meet the Lord are in that silence and in the storm. And most assuredly, I tell you, 
you will find him in his church, Jesus. Friends, I looked up uh, the saints. Uh, I have a page of what the saints have commented on this particular reading. I go and learn and see what do these holy men and women say. And I have two pages, but that'll make you stay here longer, and I'm not going to do that. But one saint, St. Brendan, the navigator, uh, he prayed this. Help me, O God, for my boat is so small and your sea is so great. <laughs> Amen? Amen to that? So my friends, St. Paul. St. Paul said he would gladly suffer anything the Lord would send to him for the sake of the unbelievers. In this case, he's talking about the Israelites. Those are his family. They reject Jesus. They reject the Messiah even though God has used the Israelites in history. So you see, the pain is great. And he says, I will gladly suffer this for them. You and I, the word of God is living and true. So you and I, too, must suffer for the unbelievers. Well, Father, too bad. You don't like it, too bad. That's the way it is. When you get to heaven, you can bring it up with him. But you won't, because <laughs> you'll be in heaven. <laughs> but we, too, we too. So are you willing to do this? Are you willing to suffer? Whatever that is, Paul refers to it as a curse. Are you willing to take that on for those who do not believe? Why would you do this? Because God is love. And most of the unbelievers don't know this. As a matter of fact, they think that God hates them. Or that he doesn't care. But the fact of the matter is he does. And in that love, that he wants to give something great to them. But oftentimes, our reaction to the unbeliever is with hatred, anger, frustration. That's not God's way. God's way is always gentle. So we should be the same. Persistent. Stand for the truth, but with that joy in our hearts, try to bring them to him. I'll leave you with one other thing. Peter says, oh, my mercy, is that a ghost? And Jesus doesn't say, don't be stupid, there's no such thing as ghosts. <laughs> he doesn't. And there's another time when Jesus they think something else, and he doesn't seem to correct this. Why? What is it? Oh, I have an opinion about it from the scriptures. But you'll have to wait three years to hear it. Because <laughs> that's when this reading comes up again. <laughs> or you can go and look at the scriptures. You will discover the reason. 